Welcome to Blitzcats, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to another episode of Blitzcast. Ed and Alex back in the house, breaking down the NFL Draft. I think we're going to continue to break down the NFL Draft every week until we've completed each division. The AFC South and NFC South divisions are on tap, and we'll talk about those individual picks that they made during the draft. But let's start with the NHL playoffs. It's the first round. It's in full swing. What are your overall takes, Ed? You've been watching a little bit of hockey out there. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy about the Penguins. You know, I thought that game three, the way they pulled it out at the end was pretty good. Um, You know, Crosby's still hitting on all cylinders, so I'm excited. Are the Penguins going to get over the hump? Are they going to get over this this first round? Will they advance? Gosh, there's so many other good teams in the NHL this year. I mean, you know, when you start looking at the other divisions, uh, you know, there's Edmonton, there's the Avs, there's Las Vegas. So um, there's a lot of good teams. I don't know if the Pens are that team. You're not a gambling man, but uh, who would you... Put your money on right now as as you watch this first round. Who do you think has a has a really good shot at advancing to the finals? I might go with the uh, Las Vegas Knights. Um, you know they're they're kind of a team that was just put together by an expansion, but they really they really loaded up on a lot of talent. You know from that expansion. We were talking off the air a little bit, and you've been impressed with the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, I mean they they've got some good players and. You know, for, for a team that, you know, isn't really always the best sports city, you know, they, they've got one of the best teams, and I think people are excited about them. And, I mean, obviously it was only a few years ago that they were at the bottom of the league, but, you know, they stockpiled some talent, and they're in that picture. And, I, I mean, there's one other team that I think I should mention. I think the Bruins are pretty competitive in all this, too. Well, the Avalanche definitely have a lot of firepower on the offensive side of the ball. A young team, and just they're firing on all cylinders. But I'll go with Tampa, Ed. I just think the Lightning, they got Kucherov back for the playoffs. I think it's going to serve them well in the second round. I wasn't expecting him to come back. I thought he was going to miss the entire year. They've got the best goalie in the entire league, and that goes a long way in the playoffs. And they've got, in my opinion, the most complete team because some other guys stepped up during the regular season with the absence of Stamkos, with the absence of Kucherov. And now for the playoffs, I just think they're ready to uh, to, to get it done again. I, I totally respect, you know, how their management, you know, went and got a bunch of Russian players and just kind of attracted them to the city and built their own kind of like, I mean, it's almost kind of like their own Russian team, you know? I mean, it's like... You know, they took a bunch of players, you know, who were Russian and kind of gave them a home and put played them together. And I mean, that's it's very smart from a GM standpoint. And, um, you know, they're the defending champs for a reason. They lucked out, basically. Detroit used to stockpile the, the Russian players in the 90s. Uh, they brought a few over. They drafted them. That was the philosophy they had. They adapted and, and they won a few Stanley Cups there in the 90s. A lot of other teams tried to repeat that. They tried to stockpile some Russian players. It hasn't worked, but it has worked in Tampa. I mean, they've certainly hit on a few guys and developed them. And Vasilevsky and Kucherov, they're certainly two of the best players in the entire league, as far as I'm concerned. They're definitely in the top 10 
uh, as far as you know the best players in the game and obviously they're young and just I'm excited to, to see Kucherov back and again it's going to take him a little time but I think it just gives the team a little more confidence moving forward because they have another scorer on the power play on even strength and um, it's going to take him a while to get his conditioning back but I think that they have enough to repeat and it's amazing I mean Tampa came into the league what 93 I mean Florida teams I mean they were supposed to be like the new wave and now we're we're seeing two of them, right? Who would have thought that Tampa would be a hockey town? I mean, I, I went to the arena a couple of times, and, and that place was buzzing. It really was. I'm not saying it's it's Pittsburgh or it's in, like New York Rangers, but people were really in the game, and the Lightning have become hockey town. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think you know, I, I remember when they were there, an expansion team when I was a kid, and a lot of the jokes were like, you know, what kind of ice do they play on? Like, you know, what, how, how do you how do you have a hockey team in Florida? And, I mean, obviously, you know, technology, and, I mean, you could keep it cool in there and so forth. And, um, you know, I, I think hockey just in general in the U.S. is expanding to different cities. I, I mean, you know, it, for so long it, it was, you know, New England and, you know, kind of that Great Lakes, Minnesota region, you know, had pretty much a lot of the American hockey players. And, you know, now we're seeing, you know, hockey players come from like Texas and California and, you know, even Florida. And it can only it can only really help USA hockey. I'm also a big hockey fan like Ed. I love watching the NHL playoffs. There's nothing better as far as I'm concerned. Maybe only the NFL playoffs are a little bit more in terms of their standing but the nhl playoffs i mean they get they get your blood pumping so we'll see who wins we'll give you a few updates as we record some shows down the road we'll see who wins it and who will be in in the nhl playoffs it's definitely wide open right now so uh we'll see let's move on to breaking down the afc south division and we'll start with the jacksonville jaguars Uh, it's we have to start with them because they had the number one overall pick, and it was no surprise they went with the Clemson quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, and I mean, I think this is the right move. I mean, it's just as far as, you know, this is the most sure thing. I mean, he's he really did well his three years. I mean, and he went to national championship as a freshman. His tape checks out. His character checks out. Um, you know, he checks all the boxes, and so you really got to go with that guy. Well, he's been the golden kid all along. I mean, he's the cameras, the lights have been following him since high school. He certainly lived up to the hype when he came to Clemson, and he had high expectations because he was following in in the footsteps of one of the greatest Clemson quarterbacks before that in Deshaun Watson. And now he lived up to it. Now Jacksonville made him, you know, the number one overall pick. This team is in shambles. They're rebuilding, so they need that that star power. Do you think Trevor Lawrence can exceed those expectations? I mean, are we looking at like a, a more of a Peyton Manning type of career, or are we looking more of like an Andrew Luck type of career? Gosh, I, I feel like Andrew Luck just like is is what he is. You know, I just I just think you know a guy who checks all the boxes and. I mean, we'll see how his career goes, but I feel like Andrew Luck is the best comparison for him. So that means Trevor Lawrence is going to retire in about seven or no, eight years? Is that what I you're mean, saying? He's, That's he's, the reason why I made that I mean, comparison. he's big, he's tough. I mean, I, I just, I, I mean, a prospect is a prospect, you know. But I mean, you know, how they do in the NFL, I mean, there's so many factors and 
so forth. Andrew Luck got hit a lot of times for sure, and um, you know he got he caught himself in a lot of pain. But you know I think Trevor Lawrence is tough. I think I think you know the Jacksonville Jaguars are trying to bring some winning atmosphere types of players. I think you know once they build up their offensive line, I think they can have a really long career for Trevor Lawrence. I hope he doesn't get killed as a rookie mm-hmm. then. Because, I mean, he might get, like, happy feet. The reason why I made that comparison is because Peyton Manning had great expectations when he was coming out out of Tennessee, drafted number one overall by the Colts. He brought a championship there, and then he obviously won another championship with the Denver Broncos. Andrew Luck never lived up to that hype. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, he was supposed to be the next, like, he was supposed to be the next John Elway. He was supposed to be the golden kid, you know? He was supposed to bring a championship to the Colts. And he had a good career, but it was an injury-riddled career. And it was never, he never took off. You know, Russell Wilson outplayed him. And I just hope it doesn't happen with Trevor Lawrence just because, you know, the expectations are just through the roof. You know, he doesn't even have to be a bust. You know, if this guy throws like 30 touchdowns and like 15 picks, people are going to be like, what's wrong with him? You know, what is he doing? Why is he not making good decisions? You know, and you just have to realize that he is with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's not part of the, the Clemson Tigers. It's it's going to take a little time. It's going to take a while before this team, you know, gets some more players, hopefully wins with Urban Meyer. But obviously, they're going to have he's going to have to have a very good rookie season because, again, Urban Meyer is not a very patient man. I mean, he's not a guy that's. That's gonna accept a a four and thirteen season or you know a five and twelve season, and, and that's where the Jacksonville Jaguars are headed, as far as I'm concerned. With the twenty fifth overall pick, you know, they didn't have to go far. They decided to draft a running back in Travis Etienne, who just happened to be Trevor Lawrence's teammate for three years. Yeah, and I mean, I I think this is, you know, a good running back pick. I think this is them bringing winners to their circle. I definitely see Travis Etienne as the winner type. I mean, the fact that he came back and and wanted to win a championship with the Clemson Tigers tells me that. I mean, he's, he's probably the second best running back in this draft class behind Najee Harris. I mean, he's definitely top five. I mean, this is a well within range. But I guess it just begs the question is, is like, who's going to be blocking for these guys? You can ask the same question about the Najee Harris as well. I mean, who's going to be blocking for him with the Pittsburgh Steelers? I wouldn't say that the Steelers' offensive line is any better than what the Jacksonville Jaguars have. Last year, to be fair, James Robinson, the undrafted rookie free agent out of Southern Illinois, I mean, he ran for over 1,000 yards. If it wasn't for Justin Herbert... James Robinson would have been Offensive Rookie of the Year for for sure. Yeah, I, I I would definitely say you know they hit on that pick and that was a guy I liked and he wasn't a pick. I mean they picked him up off the free agent wire and he actually went there. They had like three running backs ahead of him. Obviously, you know you you never know. Again, he was picked up. He had so many guys in front of him. He had like Leonard Fournette. Then everybody got shipped. A couple of players got COVID. A couple of players got injured. Robinson got thrusted into the starting role. It's going to be interesting how they use both of them. Obviously, James Robinson brings that thunder, that power, you know, around the goal line, getting those tough yards. Travis Etienne is more of a a scat back, elusive guy. It can make people miss and is a very good receiver coming out of the backfield. I know you were a big fan of Tyson Campbell, the cornerback out of Georgia. 
And the Jaguars didn't waste much time. I mean, he was the first pick in the second round. Yeah, I, I like the pick. I think you get him in the second round, good value. Um, I like everything about this pick. All right, they went with Walker Little in the second round. Obviously, they, they heard you, Ed. I mean, they must believe that Cam Robinson is only a short, short-term short solution. Walker Little had injury concerns, you know, missed the, the 2020 season because of COVID. They believe in Walker Little because, I mean, he wasn't projected by many people to be a, a high second-round pick. Yeah, I, I don't know if I, I... I mean, I like the position, but I don't know if I like the pick right here, Alex, because, like... I mean, this guy's been hurt for like two years, and it's like when you've been hurt for two years, I mean, you're really coming back from football. I mean, it's it's like I, you don't know who you have in that player, and I mean, I mean, that's even a lot to expect from Walker Little to come back after two injuries and two years being out of football to all of a sudden, you know, come back and be the, be the savior for their offensive line. So this wasn't the pick I would go with. I mean, I, I think this is for a team that's more offensive line rich that can take that can take a little bit of a risk. Well, they still have Cam Robinson at left tackle, and they still have Jawan Taylor at right tackle. So it's not like they're going to try to put Walker Little into the starting lineup as a rookie. I mean, that's like a worst-case scenario. I think they're thinking about the future, and Walker Little might have to sit for a third straight year because, Ed mentioned, in 2019 he was injured. In 2020 he opted out. So technically, he hasn't played for two years, and I just assume that 2021 year is going to be a redshirt year for him. So we're only going to see Walker Little in practice, I guess. Then at the top of the third round, they went with the safety from Syracuse, Andre Sisco, who's got great ball skills and great range and, and speed. The only reason why he fell here is because he, he tore his ACL during the season. Well, you know I'm tough on those safeties, but I, I do think Andre Sisco is one of the best safeties in this draft how about day three um did you like any picks there by the jacksonville jaguars i mean i i, I love jay tufele um i think that's a great pick i mean that's my favorite pick of day three I, I really like this defensive tackle class i love the athletes that they have in the middle um you know he's another one i mean i think i i put him into my top four all right let's move on to the indianapolis colts and the indianapolis colts went with the pass rusher in the first round, I mean, they needed one, and they needed to address their offensive line and get some help on the defensive line, and they went with my so-called favorite player out of Michigan, Quiddy Bay. Yeah, I mean, I think this was this was kind of a little bit of a, you know, I needed to get a, I mean, you could say the word reach. I mean, it's like they really needed to get that defensive end. Um, and you know how many defensive ends were there? I mean, Jalen Phillips, I don't know if he was available there, but that would have been the pick I would have gone with. But, I mean, this wasn't a great edge class, and especially for 4-3 defensive ends. We're talking about day two. They went with the Vanderbilt defensive lineman. Coming off an injury, another reach as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and this is a guy I like, but, I mean, to take him at 54 is a little early for me. And then day three, uh, they went Kyla Granson, kind of an H-back, fullback, tight end type out of SMU. In the fifth round, they went with the safety Sean Davis out of Florida. In the sixth round, they decided to address the quarterback position. They went with Texas quarterback Sam Ellinger. Then in the seventh round, they went with the small school wide receiver out of University of Charleston, Mike Strong. And then they finished their draft with Will Fries, who is... 
played offensive tackle at Penn State. Probably projects more as an offensive guard inside. Did you like any of the picks on day three for the for the Colts? I'm okay with Kylan Granson, but the, the, you know I'm not a big fan of Sean Davis. This isn't really this isn't really my favorite day three slate. Do you think Sam Ellinger can stick in the NFL as a backup quarterback? Do you think he he has that ceiling? Do you think he's a guy that could? take his career and stay in the league for like eight to ten I years. give him a shot as a number three if you're willing to you know if you're willing to carry a number three on your roster I mean I I think Sam Ellinger is that kind of guy I just remember like at the senior bowl they said something to him like you know they said something to him like you know you're getting comparisons to Joe Montana and it was like even Sam Ellinger was laughing you know what I mean? he's like what do you want from me like you know to, to tell me that like I liked him earlier in his career. I mean, I, I, I thought he had good tape earlier in his career. I, I, to be honest with you, once he got to be a senior, he never really ended up being the quarterback that I thought he would be. You know, I, the reason why I say that is because I see guys like Ian Book get drafted in the fourth round by the New Orleans Saints. And I just keep saying to myself, I mean, Nellinger is better than Ian Book. I, I, I disagree. I, know you're, I disagree. You're a, you're a bigger fan there, but I just think Ellinger... As a backup, as a number three, he's a smart enough guy who's been in a lot of big games that could stick around in the NFL. So I think eventually he could be a, a solid backup. That's all they need there. I mean, they don't need him to to be the starter. I mean, they've got Carson Wentz. Tennessee Titans, they went with the injury-prone cornerback out of Virginia Tech, Caleb Farley. But he is very talented. Just the, the major reason is, like, can he stay healthy? Yeah, I I think of him dropping to twenty two makes a lot of sense. You know, the Tennessee Titans have needs at cornerback, and um, I respect them for going this position. Um, you know, obviously they cut Adora Jackson, and that's cornerback room is you know uh, in transition. Um, yeah, the position makes sense. I think I don't know if it was too early to take Tyson Campbell here. Um, that's probably where I would go with this pick, but Caleb Farley is is fine here. They definitely needed the, to fill this position because Christian Fulton was limited to only six games as a rookie. He had a knee injury. Malcolm Butler and Desmond King left in free agency. You know, signing Janoris Jenkins, he's 32 years old. And then you've got like Kevin Johnson. He's not a top two corner. I guess Jenkins will start, but Farley's got a shot here. Just you mentioned a Dory Jackson left for the New York Giants and so there's a need there. This guy, if he can stay healthy, he's got a shot to start as a rookie. Dylan Radens, um, obviously a hot name leading up to the draft just because, I mean, of Trey Lance and Radens protected him. Uh, Radens, uh, left tackle in the league, a very good athlete with average length. What do you think about this pick? He wasn't as high on my radar. Um, you know, kind of a small school pick. You know, a little bit risky, especially at 53. You know, this is a guy the media, you know, was 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 really high on. Well, it looks like he might get a shot as a right tackle there because we do know that Isaiah Wilson got released. I mean, the big Georgia offensive tackle. What a surprise that was, couldn't... huh? Yeah, he couldn't conquer his demons. I mean, they, they had to cut loose. I mean, if the guy wasn't listening... If the guy was partying and that's all he was doing and not practicing, I mean, obviously you're going to cut bait. I think Raidens is going to get a shot to compete for that right tackle job. So it's not a surprise. I mean, Isaiah Wilson got traded to the Miami Dolphins, and then a week later, 
They released him. I mean, that tells you something. That guy needs to get his life together because, I mean, they could spiral way out of control. On day three, the Titans went with Monty Rice, inside linebacker uh, from Georgia, and they went with Elijah Molden, the the nickel corner out of Washington who you interviewed. Yeah, with Monte Rice, I like the pick. I don't know, like these these kind of middle linebacker, two line, two down linebacker types. I mean, I just I wait till day three for them. That's that's the thing with a Monte Rice pick. I think Molden was one of my favorite picks for the Titans as far as value is concerned. Again, that that was a home run pick at the end of the third round. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this was a well within, you know, I think he deserved to go on day two. Good pick. I think he has a good personality. Washington has a tradition with corners. I mean, you know, you can't go wrong. I mean, it's hard to draft secondary, but I think if you draft secondary from Washington, you're usually doing pretty good. On day three, uh, there was a familiar name that you actually liked uh, during our when we did the preview leading up to the draft, do you like this wide receiver from Louisville, Des Fitzpatrick? And he was drafted in the fourth round by the Yeah, Titans. you know what's kind of cool about him is like, I think he's a good route runner. I think he's a good receiver, but he's just got some hustle to him. That's the kind of guy like on day three, like you want to get a guy like that, you know, a guy with a little bit of hustle, a little extra energy out there, you know, a guy who's going to try for that extra yard. I mean, that's that's the kind of guy I want on my football team. He's got to catch the ball better, though. Look, I like Fitzpatrick. I do. I mean, he made plays. He's kind of a downfield threat. He's got good speed. He is a pretty good route runner, but he's got to catch the ball. There are a number of times that I saw him drop the easy ones. He makes some really spectacular catches, but you got to be able to come up with those like third and four, third and five plays. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be the go-to guy for the Titans and uh, they obviously thought very highly of him to choose him early on day three. Another guy, Rashad Weaver, went in the fourth round. He's a Pittsburgh defensive end. You and I had a bet uh, that Racy McMath, I thought Racy McMath, the LSU wide receiver, wasn't going to get drafted. He was drafted in the sixth round by the Titans. Yeah, what a surprise. This, I mean, well, I guess I, I believe that he would get picked. I think it, a lot of it had to do with the fact that he's got the measurables. This is not where I would go in the sixth round. I just thought he would get drafted. Well, it seems like the Titans just looked at the speedy guys, guys that had that timed speed and that can stretch the field a bit, uh, guys with, with long arms and, and a long frame. And Des Fitzpatrick and Bracey McMath certainly fit that. All right, let's move to the last team in this division the houston texans who just wildly gave away a lot of picks in the last couple of years in the laramie tunsil trade you know then not getting enough in the deandre hopkins trade they didn't have a first round pick they didn't have a second round pick early third round this is really interesting the houston texans went with the quarterback from stanford Davis Mills. Well, I, I think now they got three options for a quarterback. I mean, if, if Deshaun Watson can't go, I mean, you could maybe go with Terod Taylor or you could go with Ryan Finley or Davis Mills. And I mean, Davis Mills for me was like a guy that I would be looking at maybe on day three if I'm looking for a good backup quality, you know, candidate. But, uh, you know, for him to be picked in the third round, I thought I think, you know, I, I would go with someone like Ian Book. 
if I really wanted a quarterback. I really think that the Houston Texans are not in a good position. And, you know, I, I know I always said the Detroit Lions are going to be picking number one, but I changed my mind. And I think number one next year, I think the number one pick is going to go to the Houston Texans next year. They have five total picks. And it just tells me that the reason why they chose a quarterback with the first overall pick that they had in the third round is because they believe Deshaun Watson is done in Houston. I mean, obviously that story is is ending. They don't want to throw Davis Mills and start him as a rookie because he's not ready. I mean, this is a guy that's only started like 10 games during his career, but I think he will get a shot to start. Because they're just going to go through quarterbacks there. I mean, Deshaun Watson will not be the opening day starter for the Houston Texans. And then they went with Nico Collins, uh, the other third-round pick, the the big wide receiver out of Michigan. I'm okay with this pick. This probably wouldn't be where I would go with the pick. But, I mean, he was a guy who I think he was at the, he was in Mobile. Am I correct on that? Yeah, he was at the Senior Bowl, yes. He had a good week. Yeah, and I, I mean, that's probably why he got picked where he did, but this isn't a totally sexy pick, especially, you know, with the third round, and, you know, they needed to hit on some picks. I'm surprised the Texans didn't address defense on day two because I think that's their biggest need. They went, again, with the quarterback and a wide receiver. Interesting. And then on day three, uh, I'm sure you like this pick in the fifth round. Brevin Jordan, the tight end You're from right, Miami. You're right, Alex. I do like this pick. Um, and my number one is Kyle Pitts. Everyone's number one is Kyle Pitts. My number two is Pat Fryermuth. My number three is Brevin Jordan. Uh, we'll see who will be throwing the ball to Nico Collins and, and Brevin Jordan. Again, the first three picks that the Texans had, they went with offense. And then they addressed the defensive side of the ball. Let's turn our attention to the NFC South, and let's start with the Atlanta Falcons, who had the fourth overall pick. A lot of speculation that they might go quarterback. That didn't occur. They went with the best available player that wasn't a quarterback, and that's Kyle Pitts. They chose him with the fourth overall pick. And I totally respect them for making this pick. We've mocked him here. I think this is the right pick. Their receiving core is awesome. I think I think there's some talk about trading Julio Jones, um, and I think I think that's a big topic. But what they have left, I mean, they can still have a good receiving core even without Julio Jones. I think what they're gonna do is just they've got Hayden Hurst, and Arthur Smith is gonna use that 12 personnel looks. He's gonna have the two tight ends, and it's gonna be tough to defend. And if they keep Julio, they'll have Calvin Ridley, Julio. Imagine that. It's going to be tough in that division for teams to defend that in the second round. They went with the safety out of UCF, Richie Grant. This is a guy that a lot of people like, but I I just don't see. You know, and again, this is me being tough on safeties and me looking for something specific with safeties. But Richie Grant's not what what I like there. Well, he has versatility, Ed. And during his career, he had 10 picks. He started a lot of games at UCF and was their most consistent defender on that defense the last couple of years. In the third round, they went with a right tackle out of Michigan, Jalen Mayfield. Yeah, this is a guy who I think they're going to kick inside to guard. You know, I, th- I think he's earned himself as a right tackle. And maybe, uh, you know, I-, I think on the right side, they've got uh, the guy from Washington, you know, who was at the Senior Bowl a few years, Caleb McGarry. 
So there, there's Caleb McGarry uh, on the right side. But, I mean, you know, if Caleb McGarry goes down, I think you could give Jalen Mayfield a, a shot, you know, to maybe step in at right tackle. But I, I do think he's going to be your left guard. Well, what McGarry was drafted at the end of the first round. He's been a disappointment so far during his career. I mean, you're giving him way too much credit there. I think Mayfield, he's 20 years old. Might take him a little time, but he did play this year. He's only a redshirt sophomore. I think he's the future of right tackle. McGarry hasn't impressed me during his, you know, couple of years in the league, and, and they can certainly do a lot better there. On day three, they went with Darren Hall, cornerback slash safety out of San Diego State. I like the pick Drew Dahlman, the center from Stanford. I think he fits that scheme really well. He's, he's athletic. He can get out to the second level. Do you like any of the other picks on day three? Yeah, this guy, Ade Tokumbo Agudnunje, the guy from Notre Dame. I think he's a guy who's had some potential. Um, I like how he comes out of a three-point stance, Alex. And, um, you know, sometimes those guys, you got to take, take a risk on on day three. Ed, I really like the, the fifth-round pick out of Boise State, Avery Williams. And the reason why I like that pick is because he's an excellent kickoff returner. I think he's going to help him on punt returns as well. This guy has great vision. He understands the angles, and, and he finds the end zone. I just think they got one of the best return specialists in the entire draft in Avery Williams. I thought that was an excellent uh, Alex, what do you uh, think of Frank Darby? I just would like to hear your thoughts. Getting him in the sixth round wasn't a was a pretty good find, in my opinion. I mean, it seems like the Falcons always find wide receivers, you know, the right ones. They always seem to know what they like. I mean, this guy averaged almost like 20 yards per catch. But there's something to work with. I mean, deep threat with really good speed. The Arizona State wide receivers have had success lately with with Ayuk finding that success with the 49ers. We'll see. I mean, getting Darby in the sixth round was, was a nice find. Let's move on with the Carolina Panthers. And with the first overall pick in the first round, eighth overall pick, they went with... My favorite corner on the board, J.C. Horn from South Carolina. I, I do think this pick makes a lot of sense. I think it's a little bit of a risky pick, but, you know, he, he's a good athlete. And, um, you know, I, I think the Carolina Panthers are a smart team as far as drafting. All right. And then on day two, let's talk about it. They had three picks. Terrace Marshall Jr., wide receiver out of LSU. Uh, offensive tackle Brady Christensen from BYU. And Tommy Tremble, the, the blocking tight end. Out of Notre Dame. Did you like any of those I like picks? the Brady Christensen pick. I, th- I think he's a good tackle. You think he's going to like play mostly like right tackle? I mean, there's no way he could stick on the left side, right? I mean, he could, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, th- I think he's just a guy you bring him in, compete. He eventually becomes a starter on that offensive line. In the fourth round, they drafted a running back out of Oklahoma State, Chuba Hubbard, who had over 2,000 yards in 2019. He obviously dropped this far because of durability concerns, because he wasn't the same player in 2020, but it's interesting that Carolina used this pick on Hubbard. This is a guy who's taken a lot of hits, and, you know, I mean, McCaffrey's going to be the guy, right? McCaffrey's their guy. You know, you're just asking him to be a rollback, and I think this is the right way to draft Chuba Hubbard. On day three, the Carolina Panthers had seven total picks. Seven. But I know there's a certain player in the fifth round that you were a big fan of. Yeah, I really like the Davion Nixon pick. I do have concerns. Guys who I really like who slip like this, I have a track record of like, you know, these guys never end up being 
Um, you know, like, I, I really liked Andrew Billings, and then he dropped to the fifth round. He ended up being good, but, like, there's so many examples. I mean, it was, like, I couldn't understand why Grant Delpit was, like, went where he went. But, I mean, you know, that's, I mean, Grant Delpit isn't, like, the bona fide number one safety center of their safety group. So, I mean, you know, these guys drop, and they drop for a reason. Like I already mentioned on last week's show, I am a big fan of the Carolina Panthers and what they're building out there, and I, I think they're in good hands. They'll they'll take a step forward this year. I think it's the playoffs. We'll see. Obviously, that's a lot of it is going to depend on how the, the quarterback plays, and his name is Sam Darnold. All right, let's move on to the New Orleans Saints. At the end of the first round, they had the 28th overall pick. They went with the Houston defensive end, Peyton Turner. Uh, I don't understand this pick, Alex. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know why they went this way. You know, a lot of people criticized uh, the New Orleans Saints for picking. Remember Marcus Davenport? That made much back? more sense to me. Well, I mean, he's turned out to be a pretty good player. So maybe they're on to something. I mean, maybe they know defensive ends and they believe that Turner with his length and active hands and, and a good senior year, a lot of people like them, actually. I mean, there's a reason why he went at the end of the first round. Don't understand the spec. All right, fair enough. On day two, they went with the inside linebacker Pete Werner out of Ohio State. And then in the third round, they went with Paulson Adebo, the cornerback from State. I like the Paulson Adebo pick. I, I actually, to be honest with you, he wasn't a guy that I really under, you know, I didn't understand the hype around him young in his career. But I, I really like how he improved towards the end of his career. Well, he didn't play in 2020 because he opted out. Obviously, uh, the, the Saints have had some success with corners. Yeah, recently in but this the draft. Is, this is, this is definitely about, a guy we've had our, our eye on for a few years. He's been starting for a while there. In the fourth round, we already mentioned him earlier in the show, but obviously the Saints are really high on Ian Book because, you know, we know Drew Brees retired. They've got Taysom Hill, Winston. They're going to be battling for that starting position. But I think Sean Payton must be on to something. I mean, he really liked Ian Book. I don't know if Ian Book really starts. I don't I don't know. I mean I'm not saying he's gonna start, but what I mean is Sean Payton liked them enough to draft them in the fourth round. That makes me believe that this is gonna be his pet. I project. mean, yeah, that yeah, their number one's gonna be Taysom Hill or Jason Jameis Winston. Those are the one and two, and then Ian Book is their number three. Um, you know, they try to develop him, see what they get out of him. You know, he's played in some big games. So I don't think Ian Book really is the answer to that quarterback problem, though. Well, he's not going to start as a rookie, but Sean Payton does have a track record with quarterbacks. I mean, he, he took upon himself to develop Tony Romo when he was the offensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. He was the one that actually took him to those heights. And then he left to the Saints. Obviously, Drew Brees came over. And he did a lot of great things there after, you know, Breeze came over from the Chargers. It was just a perfect combination. It just, a very interesting pick. I'm not high on Ian Book. I saw him as an undrafted free agent. But I do have a lot of respect for Sean Payton, who obviously believes that there's something to work with. And, you know, Ian Book, can, he's a guy that can move outside of the pocket. He can throw on the run. He's athletic kind of a backyard type of quarterback. He's not your pocket guy. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of years. 
The last team on tap, the Tampa Bay Bucks, the Super Bowl champs, uh, they went with a pass rusher. In this case, he's going to be their 3-4 outside linebacker, Joe Tryon out of Washington. Yeah, I mean, this is not the sexiest pick, but I, I think it makes sense, actually. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not against it. Well, I think he'll have a chance to develop. I mean, he's going to be like a rotational player because Jason Pierre-Paul is, is there. He's 32. So we'll see if Tryon is, is going to be able to come on in year two, year three. In round two, some quarterbacks were on the board. You know, Davis Mills, Kellen Mond. Well, the Tampa Bay Bucks went with the pocket passer out of Florida and Kyle Trask. Gosh, like Kyle Trask should like, he should be like a journalist quarterback, you know, just like, you know, the quarterbacks that he plays with. I mean, you know, you talk about going back to high school and then at Florida and then, uh, you know, in the, in the NFL. I mean, it seems like, you know, the, the sort of mark of a great quarterback is Kyle Trask is your backup. Well, he's going to have a chance to learn behind Tom Brady. They're similar in terms of height, frame. They're both pocket quarterbacks. So they don't have to like change the sit, change the system at all. And Kyle Trask is going to learn from the best. In the third round, they chose a Notre Dame offensive lineman, Robert Hainsey. I think he's a guy that that's versatile enough to play tackle, guard, maybe even center. Do you like any other picks on on day three? They went with Jalen Darden. Uh, the quick, speedy North Texas wide receiver, a slot guy. They went with inside linebacker K.J. Britt out of Auburn in the fifth round. Seventh round, they went with Chris Wilcox, cornerback out of BYU. And Grant Stewart was a linebacker out of Houston, another seventh round pick. Any picks that kind of that you liked on day I three? I like the K.J. Britt pick. That's a pick that I really like. Yeah, he fits that 3-4 inside linebacker mold, the, the big linebacker that can fill the hole and, and be that run defender out of all those teams that we mentioned and we mentioned you know afc south nfc south which team do you think had the best i think the jaguars did i mean i i think that i like the people that they brought in too um i like the people i like the tebow pickup i like i like bringing travis Etienne in the mix i like i like trevor lawrence i I really, I really think the Jacksonville Jaguars won of, of, of the AFC South. Is Tim Tebow going to stick? Is he going to stick around? Is he going to make no, the team? No, he won't make the team, but he'll be, he, you know, he, he'll give them a boost. You know, I think he, I think he's, he's kind of a guy who's there to change the culture. Uh, I don't, I don't know how much football he can play these days. I just, I wonder how much, how much he can change the culture in a matter of a month. Because you're still closed off. You're still having Zoom meetings. Uh, you know, most veterans are going to show up and at the end of July for training camp. I'm just curious. What, what kind of a culture change is he going to be able I don't, to I don't know. I don't know. I just, like, unless he makes Whenever Tebow team. speaks, Alex, I'm just like, I'm, I'm amped, you know. I'm like, I'm ready to win, you know. That's, that, that's, how, that's, that's the kind of charismatic he's got for me. Look, he's a good analyst. He's a great motivational speaker. I think it's in his future. He's going to be able to to fill, you know, plenty of, you know, stadiums out there, plenty of arenas. I mean, people will listen to Team Tebow. They will they will flock to him. But as far as the NFL player, I mean, he has flopped as a quarterback and this tight end experiment. I laugh at this. I mean, it's laughable at this point. I understand what Urban Meyer is trying to do. I get it. Coaches fail so much by bringing in 
They're former players, guys that are over the hill just because they feel like, like you mentioned, you have to have your own culture. We have to change that culture. I understand what he's trying to do, but I just think sometimes it just, it's going to bite you in the ass. That's all I'm saying in the end. And you still need to bring in players that can make your team better on and off the football field. Tebow just makes your team better off the field, but he can't offer you anything on the field. So I'm, I'm critical of the signing. I just think it's a joke. I mean, Tebow should just be an analyst and forget about football. Go try minor leagues again. You know, go play for the Yankees or, or the Padres. I think he was on whatever. the Mets. Try, I think that was his good. Yeah, I think he was a Mets guy, yeah. Well, he certainly has tried it everything. Maybe he's gonna try soccer. After this doesn't work, maybe he'll try hockey or But I I wouldn't I wouldn't get on this idea that Tim Tebow is not successful. I mean, he's very successful in his life outside of the fact that his NFL career was a little bit of a bust. This is a guy this is a guy who's bringing in income. This is a guy who's got a brand, you know? I just I just wanna put that out there. I don't have a problem with Tim Tebow and who he is outside of football. He's a great college quarterback. One of the all-time greats. But in the NFL, he failed. And I'm critical of him as an NFL player, not as a person. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of Bloodscast. Take care, everyone.